Hey there, and welcome to Watering Seeds, a podcast ministry of Covenant Reformed Presbyterian Church in Asheville, North Carolina, where we seek to discuss and apply our most recent Lord's Day sermons. We're discussing our trek through the book of Esther, uh, and you can access our sermons at covenantreformed.net slash sermons or on sermonaudio.com by searching Covenant Reformed Asheville. I'm here today, as usual, with Pastor Jim to discuss his recent sermon on Esther chapter 8, Lift Up Your Heads. How are you today, Jim? Wilson, I'm doing great. I have a question for you. Okay. <clears throat> that You know, I thought about this. You know, I've been privileged to preach the book of Esther in the morning, but have you ever thought about why we don't do a watering seeds on an evening sermon? I, I haven't really Should thought, we make another podcast like, called like Watering Nocturnal Seeds or something like that? Where watering Seeds in the Evening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's sort of like a, this is the main channel, but then we have a Slow Jams channel, right? I think that would be cool. Like, it's evening. like after Watering Seeds After Dark. There it is. And it's like more laid back yes. and informal. Yes. I love it. And and we're just going to, we're going to do our sermons in the evening. I think that'd be... Let's pitch it to Sean when he gets back. I think we should. That's a that's a good idea. He might be listening now. We might be pitching it to him right now. You know, I doubt that he's listening, but maybe we can get him to listen. Yeah, we we need like live episodes, you know. We should do a live episode. That's a really good idea too. I actually think Are you we writing should... this down? Yeah, I, I I'm not a but I can pretend I have a pencil. Perfect. I'm writing right, it down. Right, now. These are gold ideas. Um, Wilson. Okay. I mean, yeah, we should also have Why a brainstorm panel. Off the air you and when you, you and, and Sean on like a on a panel, and I ask you questions about just like the whole books. I think I think Sean would love to do that. Really? All right. I think that would be pretty cool. <laughs> we could film it and everything. Put it on YouTube. This is a great time to plug uh, uh, a ministry that I do that with called Gospel Reformation UK. Where we uh, we have a podcast called Grukology, G R U K Ology. Uh, many of our listeners may remember a friend of mine named Darren. Darren did the f- opening podcast of the Book of Esther with me. He's yep, uh, he's it. on there, G R U K with me. Um, so uh, Wilson, you want that sort of content, brother? I put it out. We put All it right. out. Yeah, that's it's fantastic. That's great. Stuff. GR hyphen UK. And we'd like to thank our sponsors today as well. <laughs> Just kidding. Reformed we... Theological. Oh, sorry. sorry. All right. Hey, Esther, let's talk Esther today. You want to do that? Yes, let's, let's do, do that, it. Pastor Jim. All right. So it's time for the proposition moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Jim, your proposition from your We sermon. need like a little jingle yeah. at that point. The, the proposition, proposition moment. moment. <laughs> All right, go ahead. All right. It was... God always lifts up the heads of the downcast. Did I get it? Did I miss anything? No, that was that was ninety eight percent. Okay, what? Yeah. Give me the two. That's that's sort of a, a textual variant <laughs> that's made its way out into the world. Oh. Um, I think it was something along the lines of the the Lord always lifts up the heads of His downcast people. Mm, I left uh, out the people. Yeah the 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 emphasis there being obviously you know we've been journeying through the book of Esther with God's people. Right. 
and seeing that particular distinction between the world and his people. So earlier on in the book, right, we asked a lot of moral questions like, uh, how can I be a faithful Christian and a law-abiding citizen right. of uh, a kingdom, an empire, a nation that, that doesn't fear God? And, <clears throat> you know, then we sort of moved into how do we respond to evil? Right in the world around us, mm-hmm. uh, and and now we're gonna see in the com- uh, last sermon, uh, this upcoming sermon, we're gonna see uh, the um, we're gonna see the 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 end result is how do we react to the world uh, within the parameters set for us, um, and we're gonna see that the Jews are allowed to defend themselves, but I'm getting ahead of ourselves. So yeah, the 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 key there is, you know, we are God's people and he deals with us corporately. Um and you didn't ask this, but I'm going to answer the question anyway. Okay. <laughs> uh <clears throat> sort of just take over from here Wilson. Yeah. Just, just sit back and be <laughs> yeah. fine. Um but um no, uh, uh, the book of Esther is 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 a, a little bit romanticized about everything. Right. Sure. And and I don't think that's a problem. I think it's still an accurate telling of history, but it's sort of only the good stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Only the um, the good way of telling it. So, you know, um, the, the Bible does this elsewhere. You know, for example, we rarely hear about how many Israelites died in the conquest, mm. how many widows were made in the mm. conquest. Right. Instead, we hear these uh, incredible stories of courage and valor and, you know, sure. all these other things, which are true. Totally true. Uh, but they're not universally or exhaustively true for every Israelite. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think it would be, uh, uh, I'm going to have to do, you know, a little more digging into this, but I, I think it would be hard. It would be very difficult to conclude that the, that no Jew dies in in this whole kerfuffle right, that's about right. to happen. And so what, what that means, I think what that tells me is, and I think it ought to tell God's people is, that we need to consider what God is doing for his people mm-hmm. more primarily than what is God doing for me as an individual. Mm. Uh, so, you know, normally, you know, textual variants have hardly any bearing whatsoever, but uh, the one that you gave us, we need the people. We need the people. We in do there need the people. For, we, for God that, so. lifts the head of his downcast people. There it is. He does not lift the head a of plus his enemies. Wilson, well done yes absolutely that is an important distinction that we need to make all right so pastor jim my first question for you this morning is you said that like king xerxes decree god's decree is irreversible and that is a great comfort to us right that yes. that god's decree <clears throat> cannot be reversed but, Jim, now I've got the hard question for you. Bring it on. If God has already ordained whatsoever comes to pass, then why should our listeners pray? Wilson, there's a book out there by um, just an absolute monster of a scholar and theologian, uh, the systematics professor, now retired, of course, at uh Reformed Theological Seminary in mm-hmm. Charlotte. He was in Jackson, but he, he moved to Charlotte. And, and who is this? Who is that's, this? That's where you go. Uh, his name is Douglas Kelly. And the, the book's title man, I am a fan. is that exact conundrum. If God already knows, why pray? Mm. 
And in that, he walks through the Lord's Prayer, particularly within the um, the, the immediate context in the Sermon on the Mount, right? We, mm-hmm. we have, have gone through that, and basically the gist of it is, if our Father sees in secret, if he's omniscient, then why do we do these things? And that's your question, really, on some level. If God <clears throat> has already ordained these things, why do we pray? Um, another version of that question, right, is if God already knows everything, why do I evangelize? Mm-hmm. If God already knows everything, why do I even try? Mm-hmm. Um, and the answer <clears throat> comes somewhere in the piece that God's ordination has not removed your ability to will certain things. Okay. Um, the I have a um, I understand why you're asking the question, right? Mm-hmm. But obviously mm-hmm. the question's flawed, and sure. the way the question is flawed, right, is that right. that it, it's assuming that you have no agency at all, sure, that you have no ability to make a decision right. on your own, mm-hmm. and that's not true. Um, though God ordains everything, uh, I still want to do it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. God ordained me and uh, Madeline to get married. From eternity past. Right. Praise to his name. Right. But I still wanted to marry Madeline. Right. And presumably she wanted to marry me. Right. Um, uh, God, in his eternal plan, had me and Madeline move into Asheville. We still wanted to move to Asheville. Right. right? It's not like we're going kicking and screaming. So why do we pray? It's because we want to pray. Mm. Why do we evangelize? It's because we want to evangelize. If God has already ordained whatsoever comes to pass, why do anything? The answer is because in Christ we want to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Christ Plus we're has given us commanded to, and we we want to keep His commandments. Right? Christ. You know, Jesus says, "If you love me, you shall keep my commandments." Well, I love Jesus, mm-hmm. so the Holy Spirit gives me a desire to keep His commandments. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. Um, and so, you know, the, the 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 key to understanding this is understanding. And we've talked about this in a previous episode, but it's understanding uh, the process, uh, really the whole doctrine of sanctification, mm-hmm. right? That it is both in one sense definitive and in one sense progressive. Mm-hmm. Definitive in the sense that, you know, legally you're declared righteous in justification. In definitive sanctification, you are truly made righteous mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in Christ. And then progressive sanctification is the the constant struggle and battle with the, the inner and... Well, I shouldn't say inner. The old and new man, right. as Paul calls them. So as we consider those things, <clears throat> the 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 key here to understanding all this is that that in Christ, when he saves us and he, he unites himself to us, as Paul says in Romans 6, uh, when he does this, he gives us new affection. He gives us n- uh, a, a renewed will. He gives us um, a a a, um, a love of obedience, which right. replaces a love of sin and disobedience, right? And that's right. that's what we want in Christ. Um, can I ask you a question? Oh yeah, sure. Put me put me on the spot. I think Jim. I've I think I've walked myself in so many circles here, Wilson. <laughs> I need some help. Yeah, yeah. How does what connect that back to Esther for me? Connect it back yeah, to I'm, Esther. I'm, I'm I'm really blanking here. It's, it, it, <laughs> oh, man. it's way too early in the morning. All right, I'm taking. I'm gonna take over the podcast. Yeah, please do now. Um, okay, let's think about this. Well, in terms of Esther, why pray? It's be, it, first and foremost is because 
because they that fasted the Jews and prayed. Didn't, well, the Jews didn't know necessarily the end of, you know, at, at in the beginning of this book, they did not know what was going to happen, right? They didn't know they were going to receive the signet ring. They didn't know that Haman was going to be hanged. Um, we don't know the future. God does know the future. And I think part of resting uh, in God is taking our requests and our worries to him in prayer. Yeah, and Mordecai does that earlier in the book, right? Right. That, um, an excellent point, Wilson, that I've seen all along. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> You're <laughs> Morde- welcome, Jim. I'm Mordecai did this um, when he told Esther in Esther chapter 4, right? The uh, deliverance will come for God's people, whether you do it or not. Right. Um, uh, and so, you know, the certainty that we've been dealing with um, is... Uh, uh, you know, on the basis of that foreordination and foreknowledge um, and on top of everything else. I'm about to start slipping into our Sunday school series on the attributes of God, Wilson, so you better ask your next question. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. We're about to get real deep right. in here, okay? Okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, anyway, um, your second point was that God himself is the lifter up of our heads, of his people's heads. Um, and through Esther 8... We're reminded that God's work isn't just to destroy the enemy, parentheses, Haman, uh, but enlivens his people mm-hmm. with joy. Mm-hmm. And so Esther, and like we just said a minute ago, Esther and um, the Jews and Mordecai, they didn't know what was going to happen in this book from the beginning, right? They they were sort of in turmoil. They uh, they lamented, they cried out to the Lord. But my question for you, Jim, is how do we live in that joy now? And where we are, right, we see evil in this world. Uh, Satan has not been finally destroyed yet. How do we live knowing that there is joy to come, that there is a crown to come? It's always hard to do this. And it's not hard. It's it's pretty impossible to do this, but I'm going to say it anyway, and it may be a little controversial. I think it's a whole lot easier for us than it is the Jews in Susa. Hmm. Um, I think we we enjoy, in particular, you know, here in Asheville, Mm -hmm. in uh, in the United States generally, we enjoy a great deal of religious freedom. Right. Right. Um, And we, we, you know, we're not afraid of the consequences of our beliefs right. on Sunday mornings, mm-hmm. right? It's just, mm-hmm. it's our routine. It's our schedule. I walk down here most mm-hmm. Sundays, um, and I don't walk here thinking there's going to be a crowd of people waiting for me uh, to destroy me, right? It's just, it's not what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the answer to your question lies more in w- w- what, what do we perceive takes away our joy in this place? Because mm-hmm. it's it's not really persecution in that sense. Right, right. right. In the sense that uh, people are experiencing Southeast Asia, places in Africa, yeah, um, where it's illegal to be mm-hmm. a Christian. Um, so uh, the first step, I think, is, is, is isolating what, what takes away... F- my joy and putting that in the proper perspective of, okay, what was taking away Mordecai's joy? 
this decree that all the Jews were supposed to die. Okay, mm-hmm. well, that makes sense, right? Right, right, right. Uh, it makes sense to weep and gnash your teeth on that one, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so what is it for us, right? Um, and, and I think, again, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be controversial. Today's the day we're controversial on Watering Seeds. <laughs> but I, I think, I think the, the, um, the things that generally, that I have generally ex- experienced mm-hmm. that take away our joy is um, or are things that are not in the same realm as this decree. Sure. Right? We get upset about policy. Mm-hmm. We get upset about, you know, and and, and would, I'm not saying it's wrong to get upset about these things. Let me right, say that, right, right, right. I mean, I don't like some of these policies, okay? Um, but, but that's why I think the Book of Esther has been uh, super helpful for me anyway in, in making this distinction between, you know, uh, how does my spiritual life and my civil life intersect? Mm-hmm. How do, you know, w- what's going on there? And these policies shouldn't take away my joy in Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, for me, I mean, it's no, it's no surprise to the people of covenant reformed that, uh, you know, what takes away my joy a lot of the time is thinking I'm not going to get enough food. Right. Or thinking my food's going to be bad. Like my intern dragging me to a place with terrible French fries. Okay. Uh, uh, that, that's nothing, man. That, that's just, so, so isolate what, what it is that's actually taking away your joy and put it in the proper perspective. That sort of stuff. I'm being a little silly, but you see what I mean? There are things that don't matter. Right. Absolutely. Right. When you put in, put it into the proper perspective. Um, but say you do put it in the proper perspective and it is terrifying and it is a problem. That's when I think the certainty that we've been dealing with in the book uh, comes in. The certain, like I didn't say in in the sermon last week, I didn't say, because I don't think it's true, that sometimes God lifts up the heads of his people and sometimes he lets them die. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that that is technically true, but that's not the point. The point is that God always lifts up the heads of right. his people. Right. Always. Mm-hmm. Not always in the same way, mm-hmm. not always in the same timing, not right. always with you know the same uh, amount of joy, but he always does. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so if he always does that, then whatever it is, even put in the proper perspective, like the decree we see in the book, if, if it rises to that level or even you know more than are we going somewhere with bad French fries, right? <clears throat> if 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 it goes above that level, if it's a very serious thing, it's still not something that can shake the fact that God will lift up the downcast heads of his people. Right. Right. The um, This is the regular theme throughout the Psalms over and over and over and over and over. Um, and to my recollection, there's only one Psalm out of the 150 that uh, the psalmist does not get positive in at some point. Right? Is that? Am I wrong? You think of any others? I can't. Okay. So <clears throat> the the point being, David, for example, laments over and over and over and over and over. My enemies are around me all over the place, and I'm going to die. Yeah. And I can't sleep. Yeah. But last night I slept super well. Yeah, Why yeah. did I sleep but... super well? Because I trusted in the confidence of the Lord. The Lord was my strength and my shield. Mm. The Lord is my salvation. The Lord is my rock. Well. David died. Mm-hmm. David had terrible civil war, right? I mean, so 
How can he say these things? Because his certainty is not in his experience. Right. His certainty is not in the thing that's taking away his joy. Mm-hmm. Right. His certainty is in God and in God's promises. And God's promise is that we can, in Christ, be joyful always. Absolutely. Right. Because nothing can take away the declaration that once you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Mm. The old has gone, the new has come. Mm. Nothing can take that away. Nothing can revoke it. It is the final word, right, as we've been talking about. Right. So how how do we do that? Mm-hmm. Back to your original question, how do, how do we do these things? First, got to put things in proper perspective. And then secondly, we have to weigh it against the, the, the top thing, which is the certainty of God's love, the certainty of God's fulfillment of his promises for his people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that happens now or a thousand years from now, um, it doesn't matter. Right. It um, will happen right. if, you know, for us individually, at least yeah. when we die. Yeah. And what's interesting is that, uh, um, the book of Hebrews picks up on this theme. Uh, we got to talk about Hebrews, right? Uh, <laughs> the book of Hebrews picks up this theme that in the Old Testament, it's almost as if the, the, um, the Abrahamic story really like completely shifts the people of God's understanding of the promises of God such that, uh, uh, particularly in Hebrews 11, you really get this sense that when the author is going through those names and the promises given mm-hmm. to them, that that the, these people had faith because having the promise that God would do it is just as good as having the thing he promised. Right, right. right. So, like, no one else functions that way. You know, Wilson promised me that he'd bring me something, right, or whatever. Yeah. I'm and not. That doesn't I, mean I'm not counting my yeah. eggs before they hatch here, baby. Come on, right? <laughs> like I'm never doing that with another person. But with God, it is so certain. It is so irrevocable. It is so He is so unchanging, right? That if He promises it to me, it's like I have the thing itself already. Mm. That's how certain it is, right? So when we when we compare these things that seek to 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 steal our joy with that. I think we can see how we can both be sad and joyful at the same time. Hmm. How we can be happy and joyful at the same time. That's a little easier. But how joy suddenly isn't my experience. Joy right. suddenly isn't my emotional response, right. but my spiritual posture Yeah, uh, uh, in all times well, and places. interesting. You know, the, the New Testament particularly develops this theme of joy and trial, counting the trials joy. And Paul... In Second uh, Corinthians, you know, right there in the beginning, talks about that if we abound in suffering now, we can be sure that we'll partake in comfort too. And he almost sets forward our suffering to us as evidence that we're going to receive comfort for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll move on to our third and final question, Jim. You're a, you're a good preacher in training, Wilson. <laughs> Three, 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 three points. Let's do it. Three points. Um, okay, so the last verse in Esther chapter 8, verse 17 says, uh, And in every province and in every city, wherever the king's command and his edict reached, there was gladness and joy among the Jews, a feast and holiday. And many from the peoples of the country declared themselves Jews for fear of the Jews had fallen on them. 
Yeah. So, so I've got a got a strange question here. Come on. What part does that and you can qualify this in, in, in any way you want, take it in whatever direction. What part does fear have in both evangelism and conversion? Yeah, good question. So uh someone came up to me after the sermon and was like, Why didn't you why didn't you talk about that? <laughs> and I responded, I said, well, I mean, I could preach for two hours, but, uh, uh I don't think you guys want that. Um, uh, so yeah, you know, the, the necessity of leaving some things out, um, the, the way that I would have connected that with the rest of the sermon is by showing that the joy of God's people, uh, can be infective Mm-hmm. or infectious infectious there we go ineffective i think is, is the word I, no it is effective uh, no um infectious it, it, it can it can go out it's contagious sure right i mean we've prayed this as as the people of god for you know millennia you know that that other people would see the joy that we have and desire that joy and therefore come to know christ mm-hmm. <clears throat> so there there is a sense in which that's happened however the wording of the passage actually makes it seem like these are not genuine conversions. Yeah, it, it, it really does. I agree with you So there. commentators go back and forth, and when commentators go back and forth, and when, when other Christians who are smarter, better, wiser um, than me, uh, better exegetes than me, when they disagree on something like that, I'm mm-hmm. probably not going to bring it up, Yeah, uh, just as a general rule. Right? <laughs> um, Unless I want to to illustrate, you know, the difference differences of belief here. But then I'll always bring it up on the podcast to put you there on you the go. spot. That's fine. Um, so the 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 real thing here is, was it genuine or not? Well, I think like most things, it's probably a little bit of both. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think personally, again, the text just seems pretty negative about it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for fear, right? Um, but at the same time. Right. It, I think that fear of hell is a is is something that our Lord uses in the gospel, sure, to call sinners to repentance. Mm-hmm. Right the the full wrath and punishment of God poured out on a sinner is something that can be avoided through the blood the death, the resurrection, the ascension, the intercession, the return of our Savior, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. It is not wrong for Christians to say, that's going to be terrible, mm-hmm. but you don't need to uh, you don't need to suffer it because Jesus already right. did. Right. That's right? sort of the that's what I did in wrath from sermon. what? Exactly. So, so to your question, right? What, what place does does fear uh, play in repentance and conversion and so on? I think um, we see what we have seen as believers since the inception of the church, right? We've seen that that some people ostensibly think that the better way is to just look and act like a believer. in order that they might get out of the immediate sort of um, consequences of their actions, right? So, Sort of like this. This is the way that I understood that verse, right? Mm -hmm. Is this decree goes out, and your next-door neighbor 
who when the when Heyman's decree came out mm-hmm. was pretty mm-hmm. quiet. That's kind of weird. And wouldn't talk to you anymore. And suddenly the new decree comes out and he comes over and he's like, hey, good news. I'm a Jew now. And it's sort of like, wait a second. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, there, you know, there's social capital to be won back mm-hmm. on the basis of, of what's going on here. Right. So I think that's a little bit of it, but I do think that, that any of the genuine conversion comes from this weird paradoxical moment of like the Jews can defend themselves is not the same as the Jews can kill whoever they want. Right. So why convert? Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't planning to kill you anyway, so I'm nothing's changed for me. Right. So I'm just going to keep living my life. Right. Right. But apparently there seems to be this sort of draw to it because God has put someone like Mordecai in such a powerful position, mm-hmm. which we'll see mm-hmm. next week. And when we when we see that, we see that suddenly uh, the quote unquote success of uh, the message uh, uh, seems to sort of explode. So I think there's two things that we need to be aware of. First. Uh, and and I think most importantly, we shouldn't downplay uh, how God has regularly converted sinners mm-hmm. through means that we would consider harsh, mean. Um, you know, uh, oh, you're just saving. You're just trying to get them to come to Jesus because of their fear of hell. Yeah, Amen. Absolutely, I am. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Paul says whether they. They preach Christ in vain uh, or for personal gain, whatever it is. I don't care. They're preaching Christ, mm-hmm. right? Christ is preached. So, you know, there's there, there's a similar principle here. So um, the first thing we ought to learn is that, that reminding people of the wrath of God and reminding people of the consequences of their actions is one way in which God calls sinners to himself. So don't, in your evangelism and in, in, in your witnessing to others, don't downplay that, mm-hmm. right? Don't ignore mm-hmm. that. But the second thing that I think that this teaches us is don't be so caught up in the immediate success, hmm. right? Do you know what this passage reminds me of? It reminds me of um, of Luke chapter 8 and the seed, the parable of the sower, right? Mm-hmm. The seed that goes out on the rock mm. that shoots up, but it can't take root, and the sun bears down on it, and after a time, after their immediate joy, they fall away, mm. right? Yeah. That's what, just something about that make, reminds me of that, that teaching yeah, of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the second thing we need to be aware of. Just just because you, you know, um, someone fills out a decision card, mm. right, as it were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean. Everybody's known this experience experientially yeah. like I, you I remember when I was in high school you know I invited some friends to church and and they you know air quotes got saved and it seemed to be uh you know genuine for a while but then like you just brought up from Luke uh, you yeah. know it was not unfortunately yeah, let's see 20 years from now let's see what's going on right, right right exactly um and I think there's good warrant to that because <clears throat> uh uh, I mean, first of all, again, the process of sanctification, right? But mm-hmm. second of all, you know, we read in James that famous passage, right? Show me your faith by your works. Mm. Um, 
So, yeah, uh, how, how does all this interplay um, in ways that don't immediately intuitively click for us? Right. And I think that that may be where the lesson is really found, um, is that uh, uh, the blessing of God lifting up the heads of his people may have also genuinely converted other people, mm-hmm. even if the terrors somehow got sprinkled in. Does that make sense? It does. It definitely does. That's my answer. I'm sticking to it. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Jim, for answering my questions today. This has been... I'd say any time, Wilson, but I'm pretty sure next week will be our last one together. I know. It's such a lamentable time. It is. Unless we can get a third microphone. We could. If any of our listeners out there want to contribute to the Watering Seeds Microphone Fund... (laughs) And watering seeds after dark, yeah, which no, is coming. We, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. We got to pick that one up. Yeah. So, yeah. Stay tuned for more info Excellent. for the, the new podcast. But anyway, Pastor Jim, thank you so much for discussing this with us today. Hey, thank you, Wilson. We'll see you next time. See ya. See ya.